Breaking news, a murder was reported last night. A middle-aged man was found in his apartment, dead from a stab wound in the chest. His son, a 19-year-old boy, was arrested early the next morning for the crime. He will be on- In all of the cases we've covered on this show, we've never handled one this difficult. If you're new to our podcast, I'm Julia McFalls, the producer of Confidential. We cover many different interesting cases and look at the outcomes of the trials. Let's dive deeper into the mystery of this case and determine for ourselves if the defendant was wrongfully convicted. This episode is different from the others we've done. While we have access to the witnesses, the evidence all points towards one side. But today, we're going to try and overcome this challenge and find the real truth. Here's our narrator, Zoe Simo. The title of our episode today is The Verdict. Hi, I'm Zoe Simo, and I'm an ex-crime scene investigator. That news clip you heard in the beginning of this episode was a case that was resolved about two months ago, and it was one that caught my eye. In cases I've worked with, I've had plenty of witnesses who have claimed a certain thing, but later it is proven to be false. The witnesses will swear that they didn't lie, and sometimes I believe them. This is because these people have been able to convince their brains subconsciously that they saw or heard something they didn't. Sometimes they may also exaggerate the events they saw. Keep that in mind as we go through this trial. So, before we get into all the exciting details, let's summarize the case. The defendant, a 19-year-old boy, lived with his father in a tenement in the slums, right by the L train tracks. He has a criminal record and was sent to reform school for knife fighting. On the night of the murder, there were several witnesses. For example, a woman who looked out her window and saw the stabbing in the middle of the night, and an old man downstairs who heard an argument and saw the boy run away. The murder weapon was a switch knife, and a unique-looking one at that. The reason this case is so difficult is because all the evidence points towards the boy being guilty. There are also no other suspects. Our job isn't to find any other suspects. We're here to determine if this boy is guilty or not. To help introduce this case, we've contacted the attorneys to summarize their side. Here's some clips from a phone call with them. This is the defense attorney. So, the defendant's alibi was that he left his house at 8 o'clock after an argument with his father. He claimed to have brought the knife that was shown in court, the murder weapon, as a present for his friend. Then he dropped the knife, or rather, it fell from his pocket, and someone must have seen it on the street when they were on their way to kill his father and picked it up to use. After leaving the store, he went to the movies, as most young kids often do, and when he got back home, his father was dead. The prosecution kept saying that his story was not believable because he couldn't remember the movies he saw, but if you had just found out your father was dead, you know, you, you would be so traumatized you could barely remember what day it was, let alone the names of what movies you saw. Sure, the knife just fell out of his pocket? If it was a present, it should have been important to him, right? I mean, he's a client. I trust him, and everything in his story is believable to me. And we should also remember, anyone is innocent until proven guilty, including this defendant. Thank you. And here's our prosecution. There's just too many holes in this story. First off, the movie theater employees didn't see him there. He said he was there and he couldn't even remember the names of the movies he saw. Also, the knife. He got it for his friend. Typically, one would take care of a present, don't you think? They wouldn't let it fall out of their pocket that easily. And then the killer was supposed to have found that same knife and picked it up. Additionally, there are no other suspects. There is a history of violence in the defendant and knife fighting too. The killing was from a stab wound, and the two other witnesses, they mentioned that they heard and saw the killing. 
Anything else? Well, one thing that's been on my mind is that, well, the defense doesn't come up with any evidence to prove he's innocent. And as I said, his alibi just isn't believable. Okay, thanks for talking with us. So that's what the attorneys had to say. The prosecution seemed very confident, and I have to agree with them that the defense doesn't have much of a factual rebuttal against them. But before we jump to any conclusions, here's some evidence from the prosecution's witnesses. First up, we have an elderly man whose apartment was below the crime scene. Here's some clips from our phone conversation. I heard him yell, I'm going to kill you. I heard a thump above me, yes, right above my head, a second after he said it. Are you sure? Very, I'm certain. It was the body falling, I know it. Okay, and did you hear or see anything else that night? Yes, actually. Fifteen seconds after I heard the body fall, I went to the door and saw the boy running down the steps. I swear. Okay, thank you for your time. Of course. So, you heard what he said. Now, let's introduce the other main witness, who will be referred to as woman across the street. Just like we discussed earlier, she claims to have seen the killing happen through a passing L train. Hi, so you wanted me to repeat my testimony? Yeah, that would be great. Any details you could give us would be awesome. Okay, so I was in bed at around 11 o'clock, trying to fall asleep. I tossed and turned for over an hour. My bed is next to the open window and can see the apartment across the way. At the right moment, at about 12.10, I happened to look out my window and saw, through the last two windows of the L train passing by, the boy stabbing his father from across the street. Thank you so much. Is there anything else you would like to add? No, I think that's everything. Okay, goodbye and thank you. Now that we've introduced the primary witnesses, we have a few others that didn't give as much evidence, but are still very important. First, we have the movie theater workers that were working at the time the boy said he went there. Here's that phone call. Hello, how are you? I'm doing well, I think. How about you? I'm well. Now, we're calling you because we, we would like some information about your testimony and your part in the case. Could you give us some details on that? Sure, sure. Um, well, I just don't remember ever seeing him in the movies or coming into them. I was at the concession stand, and I didn't have many customers that night. So I was just watching what was going on around me, you know? I'm pretty sure I would have noticed the boy come in. Hmm. Were, were you ever on your phone during that whole time or on break? It seems possible that you might have missed it. It was around midnight. No, no, I'm sure. I don't usually go on my phone during my shift, and I didn't have a break, really. But, um, yeah, that's it. Well, thanks for talking with us about the case. It was very helpful. Yep. So that's what we were able to gather from the movie theater workers. It was basically the same information from the original case, although I find it interesting that they were never distracted since they seemed pretty young. Now, here's the shop owner of the store that the boy brought the knife from. That boy was in my shop that night, and he bought a switch knife, all right, but a lot of kids come in buying things like that. Wasn't there something special about this knife? Well, it was a strange-looking one. It was the only one of its kind I had in stock. I've never seen another like it anywhere else. Thanks for the information. Sure thing. I was able to confirm that the knife was indeed one of a kind, at least to the shop owner's knowledge. Their testimony still pointed towards the boy being guilty, yet some new ideas started to pass through our mind on why he actually might not be guilty. I called the defense attorney again after my new revelations. So here's that. Alrighty, I'm going to bring up several points here. For example, is it possible the old man saw the boy running down the steps? 
wasn't it fully dark? Have you ever seen the stair flights in those kind of tenements? Well, they're pretty dark. And how did the old man hear the body fall if the L train was passing by? And we could say the same for the woman. It was dark from her perspective too. And she supposedly saw the killing through the last two windows of a passing train. And from the workers at the movie theater, all I can say is it's not too hard to miss one random person going into the movies. And he could have snuck in too. Haven't you ever snuck into the movies before? Finally, the shop owner. I've been looking around and it didn't take me long to find the exact same knife as the one the boy bought and the one used in the killing. It's a bit smaller, but the same type. That's exactly what I had been thinking. After talking to the witnesses, it seemed like there are more holes in their testimonies than the prosecution claimed were in the boy's story. The trial lasted six days, and throughout those six days, everyone seemed convinced that the defendant was guilty. However, after the jury deliberated for several hours, they, they delivered the verdict of not guilty. It came as a shock to many because they thought he was clearly guilty. To bring this all together, let's bring in the defendant. Hello, how are you? Thanks for talking with us today. This is the podcast Confidential. We'd like to hear some of your story and some of your thoughts about what happened that night. Hey, I'm okay, I guess, being in a trial. I just sort of want this to be over, you know? I'm just happy that they realized I wasn't guilty. And sure, I can tell you about what happened that night. Well, that night I had gotten into a pretty rough fight with my dad. It's just the two of us since my mom died in a car accident when I was little. We tend to fight a lot, but that night was a lot worse than normal. My dad, well, he's abusive. He'll hit me a lot, but that time I cracked. I was so angry and I left the house to let off some steam, so I decided to go to a shop and get a present for my friend since his birthday was coming up. I found this knife, I bought it, and I left. This knife was presented in court as one of a kind. Is that true? No, no, it's not. I've seen ones just like it. Interesting. And you said this knife fell out of a hole in your pocket? Yeah, it did. I would suppose then that it's very well possible that the murderer had this same knife, or less likely, that they picked it up from where you lost it and used it. Could you tell us anything else about that night? Okay, so then I went to the movies, but... Living in the slums, I don't really have much money to use for movies, and I spent almost all of it on the knife. So I snuck in. Every kid I know has done it once or twice, right? That's why the workers didn't see me. At least, I don't think they saw me. Well, that absolutely makes sense. Thanks for telling the truth. Yeah, yeah, sure. I was there for a while, and then I went back home early the next morning, and I got arrested, and my dad was dead on the ground next to me. And it's sort of hard to give straight answers when your dad is, well dead. Yeah, that's a really good point. I I hadn't really thought of that. Anything else to add? Yeah, about the stab wound. You probably know this already. I'm an experienced knife fighter. Living in the slums where I live, it's not easy to to defend yourself with just hands. I had to use my surroundings, a broken pop bottle, anything I can get my hands on. A knife is just the best for me. Not sure it's something to be proud of when you're a suspect, but I am. The wound was a downward strike, and anyone who has any experience with such knives would know to hold the weapon underhand and stab upward. That's another good point. The stab wound was definitely something not thoroughly covered in this case. And there's also the old man downstairs. Since we live in the same tenement, I know him pretty well. He swears it took him 15 seconds to get to the door, but I know him, and he's had a stroke in the last year and uses two canes. It would be impossible for him to make it there in that amount of time. I guess I'm just frustrated everyone overlooked these simple details. 
and my attorney didn't really think of this stuff during the trial. Yeah, I totally understand your frustration. Thank you so much for talking with, with us today. Yeah, no problem. I'm glad someone wants to hear what I have to say. So that's what the boy had to say, and he did an excellent job of explaining himself. He made several good points, and the woman across the street, who apparently saw the killing through the last two windows of a passing L train, well, later I found out that she wears glasses. We then realized she probably wasn't wearing them in the, in the middle of the night, because who does? So she couldn't have seen the boy kill his father, just some blurry figures across the street. But when the old man heard, I'm gonna kill you, the train was going by, and those trains are really loud. How could he have heard it? And we say, I'm going to kill you all the time, right? But that doesn't mean we're actually going to do it. Before we start ending the episode, I'd like to bring in something from the beginning of our episode. Remember how we talked about witnesses convincing themselves of things? It seems that in this situation, that's what happened, because it isn't realistically possible for them to have seen or heard what they claimed. So that pretty much wraps up this case. Everything at the beginning pointed towards guilty, but just like the jury concluded, we were able to determine the boy's innocence. This is why we have our podcast confidential. We determine the truth behind these cases because when you look closely, things are different than they may appear to be. Next time, we're going to dive deeper and try to track down the real murderer. It's going to be tough, but that's what this show is all about. No matter how hard the case, we'll do whatever it takes to find the truth. Next time on Confidential. Do you know anyone in that area that has a grudge against your father that might have wanted to kill him? Any long-term relationships that went bad? Oh, um, yeah, actually, there was one guy that could have done it. His name was...